I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, let's just jump in today. How about we just jump in? All right, let's do this. Two feet and go. (laughs) So we are going to read from The Language of Letting Go. Um, We are going to read December 16th, Taking Care of Ourselves Emotionally. What does it mean to take care of myself emotionally? I recognize when I am feeling angry. I accept that feeling without shame or blame. I recognize when I'm feeling hurt, and I accept those feelings without attempting to punish the source of my pain. I recognize and feel fear when that emotion presents itself. I allow myself to feel happiness, joy, and love when those emotions are available. Taking care of myself means I've made a decision that it's okay to feel. Taking care of my emotions means I allow myself to stay with the feeling until it's time to release it and go on to the next one. I recognize that sometimes my feelings can help point me toward reality, but sometimes my feelings are deceptive. They are important, but I do not have to let them control me. I can feel and think too. I talk to people about my feelings when that's appropriate and safe. I reach out for help or guidance if I get stuck in a particular emotion. I am open to the lessons my emotions may be trying to teach me. After I feel, accept, and release the feeling, I ask myself what it is I want or need to do to take care of myself. Taking care of myself emotionally means I value, treasure, explore, and cherish the emotional part of myself. Today, I will take care of myself emotionally. I will be open to and accepting of the emotional part of myself and other people. I will strive for balance by combining emotions with reason, but I will not allow intellect to push the emotional part of myself away. Um, that, that was a pretty good one. That was a really good one. I actually had something pop into my head while you were reading. And I've never... I know it logically now in recovery, but I'm thinking back to when I was a little girl or any time, really. And I would... I'm thinking about being sad and crying. You know, right? We've, we've talked about the... Where we were told stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about, right? All those things. But have, has you, have you ever been told when you're crying, don't cry, it's okay? Oh yeah, all the time. Why do we feel the need to tell someone, don't cry, it's okay? Because their tears make us feel uncomfortable. 
right? Usually when I'm telling someone else not to cry, I, I really, really work hard on this, um, not doing this. But typically if I take myself back to a situation in which someone is feeling negative and I am trying to make them feel positive, the reason that I am attempting to make them feel positive instead of just accepting their negative feelings is because I don't want to feel negative. So for some reason, I used to believe that in order for someone else to feel bad meant I had to feel bad too. And the only way for me to feel good was to make them feel better. So what I hear you saying is your feelings were driven by other people's feelings, that you never had your own feelings. Oh, for a long time, I didn't. And when I did, I needed somebody else to tell me that they were right and they were okay because I didn't trust them. Right, so you'd have to call somebody. Let's say let's say I got in an argument with somebody, or not an argument, like my partner would make me mad. And I'd have to tell somebody all about it to get my thoughts, feelings validated that I was in the right to be angry or upset. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like let's even, even if it was my kid or my spouse or my mom or my sibling. sibling yes. Right. It d- didn't matter what it was. A situation would happen and I would feel in a negative way. It doesn't matter if it was angry, sad, frustrated. I don't care what the feeling is. Some sort of a negative feeling. I would have certain people that I would call and they would get every detail about what happened and then I would say, am I wrong? Or how would you feel? <laughs> yep. So that I could have my feelings be validated and then I would go back at the person who was in the situation with me and once my feelings were validated by whoever, even if I had to ask 15 people to get one person to agree with me, I would do that. And then I would go back to the person, the original person, and be like, see, you were wrong. Look, this is how I feel. My feelings were right. And I would just spew all of my feelings at them. Yeah. <laughs> that's how and I used to operate. I, me too. Me too. And and I think that's the, like what you said was like, it would be... I might stop if the first person agreed with me. The problem with that is, or the problem with it is I would continue going, right? And I, instead of going to 15, going to 15 different people, 14 of them disagreed with me. And then I would reflect and say, oh, well, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I am looking at this wrong, right? You know, and I'm not saying that, right, we should go to multiple people, but I would never consider that I was wrong because I I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. Right. It doesn't matter that 14 previous people had disagreed with me. That 15th person agreed with me. Right. So I I was... If it took 75 people, uh I would find that one person that agreed with me and that would prove me right. Yep. Instead of saying, going to a safe person, like, right, now I would come to you and say, this is what happened. You would challenge me on all things. And then you would just be, that was it. And because you wouldn't tell me what to do. You wouldn't tell me if I'm right. You wouldn't tell me if I'm wrong, right? You're going to feed me food for thought. 
Red, I'm going to ask you leading questions that are not leading you one way or another. So it's, it's going to be questions like, well, how does that feel? Or why do you think that? Or what else could you be thinking? Or I don't even know, right? It's, it's open-ended questions that lead you to your own thoughts. It's not about whether or not I agree with your feelings. It's about questions that lead you to examine your feelings instead of pointing the finger at someone else. You know, we joke around, and I'm sure you've had, you know, people will say something and people, oh, how does that make you feel? Because that's what, you know, they, we joke about therapists and that's what they say. Well, how does that make you feel? But there's a reason, like you said, that those questions are asked. They're, they're, they are leading questions. They're open-ended questions because we're supposed to fill in the blanks ourselves because what? nobody knows our, the, we, nobody knows the answers to those blanks other than us. Exactly. One of my most favorite questions to ask somebody when they come to me with a situation or they come to me with a vent or whatever the situation is, somebody comes to me to talk about something. One of my favorite questions is, how do you feel about that? Because I'm right. If I'm like, well, does that piss you off? That's right. like a yes or no. They're going to come at me about whether or not they're angry. I don't want to lead them to being angry. I want them to acknowledge what they think and how they feel and what they want to do from this, not what I want them to do because I'm not in their life. Right, because they maybe they are angry, but and that's okay, but they need to figure out if they're angry for themselves. Right. Um, and what know, they are angry about, not what right. I would be angry about. Exactly. So it's funny because we actually, when we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about something and I actually said to you, well, you know, how, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it is such a natural go-to question now because, and then you answered it and, you know, and all of that. And then I think it led into another question. And I think that's part of what, when you come to people or individual, you know, come to individuals that don't ha like my mom if I go to my mom my mom is invested in my life and so as my mom right she has certain perceptions about what she thinks is good for your life exactly but I come to you and I know 100% you care about me 100% you want the best for me. 100% you want me to have everything in my life that I want and I, and I feel I deserve. However, absolutely. You are not invested in my life. If I decide to go out and do whoever and whatever, you're going to go to sleep tonight. You're not you, you don't want to see me do it. You right, care. if you came to me, if you, so if, a great analogy here, sorry. You're if good. you came to me and you were like, Ashley, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to move to Costa Rica. I would ask you some questions as to why you came up with that, what you plan to do, why you're doing it, how you feel about doing it. 
but I have absolutely zero investment on where you live or what job you work. If you choose to drop your entire life in Florida and move to Costa Rica, I'm okay with that. It doesn't change what we do. It doesn't change our relationship. I am not going to try to talk you into or out of one decision or the other. Now, if you went to your mom and told her you were considering dropping your job and dropping your place and moving to Costa Rica, she would have very certain opinions on whether or not that was a good thing for you to do in your life. Right, because she's going to be, for her perspective, oh, now my daughter's moving away. Oh, the you know she she's going to look at it in reality how it impacts her or what she thinks is best for you exactly even though that's still about her she just doesn't realize most people <laughs> not your mom specifically no, but right. most people would not realize I'm being self-centered in this mm -hmm. most people would see that's a terrible idea she has all this built up why would she want to do this whereas what someone in recovery sees is what do you need for you? The thing about asking those questions is really, right, when you ask me, how does that make me feel? And I tell you how it makes me feel. And then you ask the next question, right? It's getting to the root of it, the root of what is going on. And it also... When I say, let's say I'm going down this road of all positivity, right? Well, it's going to be this and it's going to be this and what? Okay, well, hopefully it would be. But what if it isn't? What if this happens? And maybe I never even thought about the other side of the coin. Right. And I think that's... I, I, I mean, I think... I think that's what coming to someone that does not, is not invested fully into what's going on can give me both sides of a coin. Give me both sides of it where I can get a full picture. I was literally going to say exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I do. I think that part of talking to people in recovery, part of talking to people who are People who love you and care about you, but do not have an investment in what you do in your life. I think part of the positive in doing that is that it allows us to process those emotions. It allows us to process our feelings and actually feel whatever we feel without their, um, without their influence, without their opinions. If I was to talk about leaving my world, leaving my job, leaving my home and going somewhere different. If I talked to my best friend or one of my coworkers or um, my children, my adult children or my mom or anybody outside of my CODA family, if I were to talk to any of them about that, each and every one of them would have a personal feeling about that because they have a personal investment in my life. So the only way I can get an a um, unbiased opinion on something I'm considering, no matter what it is, is to go to someone who has absolutely no 
impact, who my decision will have no impact on. And the only way to do that is to have someone who is not directly involved in my day-to-day life. As much as you are, Dawn, as much as the Coda family is involved in my day-to-day life, you're not. Right. Like... I don't see you in person. I don't work with you. That, Like if I were to make a big change in my life, it would not impact you. And I think that's where so many of us go wrong in trying to communicate with people, right? It's a good thing to get outside of ourselves. It's a good thing to get outside perspectives and unbiased opinions. However, we are going to, to the hardware store for milk. We're going to someone who is involved in our day-to-day life, is impacted by our decisions, and asking them for their input. And they give us their input, but it's not unbiased. It's not really, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. You know, something else, right, you you just mentioned about going to individual like going to my family you know that's that's going to be biased but I think there's also a thing of I can go to my CODA family and just because they're in recovery and let's say I come to you I come to you with an issue I come with something I need to work through and you are in the middle of the trenches with some shit going on in your personal life that you just are not at the the headspace to actually walk, talk with me at that moment. You, as the as as the person, need to also be able to say right. And this is something we have to do in recovery. This is part of oh, yeah. what we're learning, right? Is to say, Dawn, I love you. I and I know you're going through it. But look, I'm not right. I've got some of my own stuff going on right now. And I would love to be able to talk with you. I just can't right now. So I'm probably not the best person to have a conversation with right now to get what you're looking for. Why don't you maybe it might be better if you reached out to someone else. You know, it's so crazy that you say that. It's I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine on uh, Thursday and she was telling me she was asking me for my opinion on something and this specific situation I knew that what the support that she needed I was not going to be able to give her and I actually told her I was like listen I love you and I am here for you and I want to um I I want to talk to you about this. I want to support you. I want to show you that I'm here with you. However, I don't have anything positive to add to where you are right now. I cannot help you come out of this in a positive way right now. Maybe I'm not the best person for you to talk to. And it was the first time I had said that to anybody. Um, And she really took it in. Like, she took it and she was like, no, I get it. I understand. And this was a friend in person. This was a face-to-face conversation. And she was, like, she was crying. You know what I mean? She was a mess. And I desperately wanted to help her. Unfortunately, because of where I was at emotionally and the things that I had been going through, I was not in a place to give her any sort of positivity. 
I was feeling very negative myself. And honestly, I would have just brought her down. Right. Um, so it was not easy to do. Like I, I stood and probably a good 15 seconds of silence as I tried to determine which route I was going to take to be this codependent helpful or to be this healthy and say, hey, listen, I can't help you right now as much as I want to. I'm, I'm not going to be helpful. Um, and for her to hear that and to be like, oh, no, it's okay. I totally get it. I absolutely understand. Thank you for your honesty. Um, I, I'm, I, I should have thought about that before I came to you. And I was like, no, don't feel guilty. I don't want you to feel bad. I'm not, I'm not, you didn't do anything wrong. Of course, which was a little codependent, but it ended up being very, (laughs) right, right. It ended up being very positive. I was, I was anxious to say, I can't help you right now. And I did it and she took it in and it ended up being a very positive thing, right? I didn't. No, I didn't go in there and blow it away. I didn't get 100 on the test. I only got a 50, but I still got a 50. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. So it was really, it was a really positive experience. And I think it's important for us to be able to say our own emotional well-being, to be able to say, right, I'm not in the best emotional place to do this right now. Right. You took care of yourself emotionally because let's say you would have continued on that that conversation and you might not have been able to 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 assist her positively but looking at yourself right you already maybe were in a this place of not feeling your absolute best and if you would have went down that road with her I would have gone down a rabbit hole exactly and it would have been a very negative rabbit hole for me just based off what the conversation was and and I just didn't need to do that. And I knew I didn't need to do that. And I actually, during those 10 to 15 seconds of silence, which is huge for me, I actually contemplated, do I want to have this conversation or do I want to nip this in the bud now? And I did. I, I stopped it. And I was very proud of myself and I was very proud of her and I felt like she was proud of me kind of crazy how that works it is really it yeah so I was telling you earlier that I'm over the I asked you I was like do you care if we don't record for the next couple of weeks I told you I don't plan on being I'm not planning right if HP has a different plan I am not planning to be at the meetings the next couple of weeks. I don't plan on doing sponsee calls the next couple of weeks because I do a lot of CODA stuff and every all year long and all this time and every week it's busy, every day it's busy, right? You, you know, you live that life as well. Absolutely, five days a week. <laughs> yep. Um, and I need a break. And I, it's not that I need a break from recovery it's not I need a break from coda it's right because my recovery is still going to be at the forefront of my brain wait Dawn you need a break from me yes Ashley I need a break from you (laughs) does that mean you're not my friend anymore you don't like me Dawn you are one of my absolute most favorite human beings in this world like thank you. you don't right well you do know but yes and here's why here's why I need to take a break for the next couple of weeks 
because I need to be at my best. And when you go and you go and you give and you give and you give and you give and you give, right? We're doing, we're giving in a very healthy way, healthier than we've ever been, but I'm still giving. I need a break, right? It's okay for me to need a break, to have silence, to have peace, to, to not give, right? To be selfish. That sounds to me like you are taking care of yourself emotionally. Exactly. And were you worried, Dawn, when, when, when you said that you wanted to take a couple weeks off from recording the podcast? No. Were you worried that I would be upset? No. Mm-mm. Were you worried about my feelings at all? No, not really. No. Now, did you maybe think about it for a minute beforehand? I did. I was okay. like, right. So I was like, because I was thinking, and actually, this is not something I had been thinking about. But today, I was, I was working. I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, what? Because I'm leaving. So I'm leaving for Texas in the morning. I haven't. I've not even started packing. I'm still actually doing laundry. It's like so. I'm so. I'm no. I'm so, like being non-codependent on this for once. Um, and I was. I was going to say you were going to say you're so far behind. You need to get on it. But you changed it. <laughs> I did because I'm really not being codependent. Like I'm just like whatever. But anyways, because it. Uh, anyways, so that's a whole nother thing. But I w- earlier I was thinking about like, okay, I'm gonna have like I gotta take my computer, I gotta take, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to record for the next couple weeks. I was just like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know. And then I was like, well, I'm just gonna say something to Ashley. And I, it wasn't even a thought of like she's going to be mad or she's going to not want to I because I do know you well enough like I was like I knew you'd be like okay yeah and then you were like should we make them up and I'm like eh we'll worry about that later which also is very non-codependent me because you also know there has been how many times that I've we've done this we're gonna I'm like we're gonna miss and I'll be like well we need it we're gonna have to do two and we're gonna need to make, make them up and we're gonna and you got a plan for what days we're going to do them and when we're going to make them up before we ever decide whether or not we're even going to have to make them up. Yeah. Yes. And, and my response was you, ah, we'll just worry about it later. If we don't, we don't. Is that not, so some people hear that and they're like, well, that's not very good planning. And other people hear that and they're like, well, that would leave me anxious. What if we don't make them up and then we miss them and blah, 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 like on and on with it. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's so nice. If we don't make it up, it's not a big deal. If we have time, we'll make it up. Sweet, no biggie. It's so different from the person I was just a year ago, never mind three years ago. So it's funny that you bring that up because (laughs) was it three podcasts ago? Four podcasts. Oh, no, it was last podcast, I think. And so it was last podcast and we were doing our 52nd episode. And I there was one point in there. I made this kind of little joke that I'm like, God, you know, we've 
we didn't know what we were going to do and there was so many times that we would like we were going to miss and then here we are it still worked out and we're doing our 52nd episode it's going to come out right on time and when I said that I didn't think of it at the time but I've really that's been in the back of my head recently that I'm like wow I've put a lot of pressure on that for myself and look how well it's worked out exactly and so even without the pressure right and so when I said that today and I would it it was like it's what like it's whatever because that was something I needed to say and I needed to hear so now I'm that's me trusting it's gonna work out if this podcast is something that we are meant to continue doing for however long then it, it will happen yeah and if it's not meant to keep going, then it won't. And that's okay, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy this. I absolutely love doing this. I love listening to it after we've recorded it. I get <laughs> so much out of it. And oh, it's crazy to hear myself from a different perspective, right? To Like to hear myself on a podcast and to hear the things that I'm saying and to hear the conversations that we're having, it reminds me of who I am. In those moments when life is hard, in those moments when my emotions are big, in those moments when feeling my feelings feels like climbing Mount Everest or jumping off the freaking Grand Canyon, hearing myself on this podcast and hearing the things that we say reminds me of who I really am. It's so fun. Again, we keep saying this. It's so funny you say that. But it's so funny you say that because the boys, my sons, Colin especially, he'll hear me, like, because I'll be sitting here working and I'll have our podcast on and I'm listening to our podcast. And he'll be like, oh, imagine listening to yourself, your own podcast. And he'll say this over every time I do it. He's like, he says it over and over. And he's like, but that's very narcissistic and he and he's joking he is joking of course but there it you're right there is something about listening and I've tried to explain it to him and he doesn't get it but he's also 18 I think until you do it you can't get it right there is something about hearing myself and you back because okay so for my window of it right we record I edit so I and and so you'd think that I'm listening to it and I'm I don't hear shit when I'm editing right you're focused on editing right I'm it's a lot of times I'm playing it in the like because now we've we you and I've nailed this down and so we're pretty good about it but it's more I'm just listening to like what's going on with it and not focused on it on the editing part of it I'm just really it's in the kind of in the background of my thoughts and so I'm not hearing it and I but then when I come in and I I get to actually listen to it back it is a wonderful reminder of what I need to know and it's usually because I and I don't listen to it like oh it comes out on Tuesday and I listen to it right away like I'm like I'm like 10 episodes behind but I believe that I am right on time for me because something I'll catch something that we've said and it'll it applies to where I'm at today 
and it's something I time. needed to hear today. Every single time. I'm kind of similar in the way I listen to it. So we record it and then you edit it and then I listen to it. So sometimes I listen to it on Tuesday. Sometimes I listen to it on Thursday. Sometimes I listen to it while I'm cleaning. Sometimes while I'm driving. Sometimes only yeah. half of the episode, right? So it, it always tends to, I don't know how else to say it. It just reminds me of who I am, right? So sometimes in the day-to-day, I get so wrapped up in the day-to-day that it's kind of like being on autopilot and I'm just reacting without thinking about it. But by recording on the weekend and then listening midway through the week and then doing the sponsee stuff and then recording again on the weekend, it allows me to be reminded of my integrity, I guess. I think... Because this is something you and I, I know, you know, I've said, like, I do CODA the days I do it and every day, and I have done it every day because I have to do it every day. Something, I, God, this program was hard to get through. It was the hardest, but the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, but it is hard. And if I don't keep it at the forefront of my brain, right, through the doing our podcast, going to meetings, doing my sponsee calls, right? I Yes, I can take a couple of weeks off. I've been doing this long enough now that I know that two weeks aren't going to turn into three weeks and three weeks aren't going to turn into four weeks. I know two weeks are going to be two weeks. I also know me to know that I will have a conversation with you at some point probably in the next couple of weeks because I'm going to be spending two weeks with my children by myself and I'm sure I will have to talk about something. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, I, I'm just, I've laid my recovery out to be what I need it to be. I'm taking care of myself emotionally through doing my recovery work on a consistent basis. It's like you said, I'm keeping myself accountable. I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm doing this to keep myself accountable to me. Right, it's like, it's like imagine a path in the woods and the very, very first time you take this path, it's not actually a path. So you got to move all the trees and then you got to chop all the branches and it takes hours to get through this path the first time. But then the second time, it still takes hours. It's still hard, but you're still chopping down trees, but it's easier. And then maybe the fourth time, right after we walk this path for a month, Now there's a clear trail and you can see. But if you stop walking that path, the grass is going to grow back in. The branches are going to grow back in. And in in no time, that path is going to be almost impassable again. It's the exact same thing for me with my CODA recovery. Like I have to stay every day mindful and aware and consistent. And yes, if I take a day or two off, sure, some grass will grow in, but I can still see the path, no problem. If I take a week or two off, I'm going to have to come in and maybe mow the lawn and chop down some weeds, but I could still see the path, no problem. If I take a month or two off, by the time I come back to check that path, I may not even remember where the path is. And God forbid I take six months or a year off, and I'm not even going to be able to find that path anymore. How many times do we, in meetings, that we have people come in, I haven't been, I, I have 
I've worked the steps, but I haven't been to CODA in years. And um, this is my first meeting back. Right. It's like being a newcomer all over again. Honestly, it's almost harder. Yes. It, it, it's almost harder, right? I, I And I compare this to like C-sections. All, all of us women know that if we have a C-section, you're going to have a scar. And then if you have a second C-section and they try to go in the exact same spot, it's going to be harder to get through and healing is going to be harder. Well, if you have a third C-section, they can't go in the same spot because the healing is going to be almost impossible and cutting through is going to be almost impossible. I feel like co- recovery is the same way, right? Yes, it's hard the first time. Yes, it takes a lot. Yes, it's difficult. But if you stop and you try to go back again, it's going to be even harder. Right. And then if you stop and you try to go back again, that scar is so thick and that tissue has grown in so much that, man, it's not impossible. But boy, it gets harder every time. Yep. Instead of just managing my recovery for the long term. Like, right, one of the things I've said, and I've said, I'll say it to my sponsees, I'll say it to, right, newcomers if I'm you know I'm talking with them one-on-one is this is a lifelong program I never I and very few things I am very set on but I will not and do not look at my recovery ever ending I will be coming to CODA for the rest of my life because if I put in my head oh you know three to five years oh I get through the steps oh right whatever it is that allows me room to let this go to the side to me coda is here coda is here to stay in my life it could look different right maybe i right when i started coda never thought i would be doing a podcast right that doesn't mean five years from now i'm doing a podcast right Maybe I become independently wealthy and I get to actually open a a recovery house for, right? Who knows what it's going to look like? God, that would be amazing. I've dreamed about that. I know, right? (laughs) That would be so amazing. Hey, I just set it into fruition. There Um, we go. (laughs) Right? My recovery is always going to be at the forefront of my my life, at my brain, but it will, it could not, it might not be what it looks like in my brain. Right, so... For me, recovery, CODA recovery, recovery, 12-step program, it's, it's comparable to a religion in my life. Um, I mean, when most people think about a religion, they devote their life to living this practice. They devote their life to these uh, processes that this religion says is the best practice. Um, I really do consider 12-step program to be like a religion for me. Um, I never thought about that way, but I, yeah, I like that. I like that, Ashley. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. No, yeah, it it is. It's right. Like the, like I have my Bible, I have my commandments, I have my laundry list or my promises and I have, it it, it really, it's a religion. It's a way of life. I have love and forgiveness and compassion and it's all taught to me by this program through this program in a way that I can understand I'm 
yeah. <laughs> wow. I never have thought of it that way. It really just hit me today while we were talking about this. It really did. Like that like when I consider when how somebody lives a religion, right? Think about a, a yeah. Christian or a Catholic or a Buddhist. They pray a certain number, they go to church, they Right, I go to they go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Thursday. Right, we do the exact same stuff. Right, I go to my Bible studies. Yeah. We talk to our, I mean, they're not pastors or preachers, but they're mentors, they're sponsors. The word's just different, but they're the same thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a religion. It is a way of life. Wow. I absolutely love that. Thank you. (laughs) Because now what that's done for me and hopefully others, right? There is religion has always had that bad taste in my mouth because right to me, religion is, 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 and I've said this before, like, right. um, God is hope. Religion is rules. Church is a business. And religion is, I mean, it is the rules. It's the guidelines. It's the right, but that's what code is. And I'm wow. I'm really. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, you got me that one. So while we were talking, um, I just googled what is religion. So the Oxford Dictionary says religion is the belief in and or worship of a superhuman power or powers. Superhuman being higher, a power greater than ourselves, a higher power. Um, Belief and worship. I definitely believe in a power greater than myself. I definitely worship by prayer and meditation a way of living in a 12-step program. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is, yeah, it is a religion for me. Yeah. A- another meaning of it is a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. Well, that, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a religion. Yep. Interesting. Okay, I'm very... So, but let's get back to the topic at hand, because we've been all over the place today, taking care of ourselves emotionally. How, Ashley, how do we to go about taking care of ourselves emotionally? Coda what is, what is, is how I do it. Co- yes. Literally, so finding a program, finding something that feels right, something that I, in my heart, in my gut, connect to, as well as, and I think this is important, we haven't touched on this yet, um, feeling those feelings, allowing ourselves to feel the happiness, allowing ourselves to feel the sadness, to feel the frustration, to... What does, um, sorry, what does it look like to feel your feelings? Crying when you want to, yelling when you want to, running when you want to, screaming when you want to. Um, I, I can tell you, it, it's Dancing, hard to describe what it does look like. Right. It's it's easier to describe what it doesn't look like. So many people in this world begin to feel something and they take that feeling like, right, let's say I'm starting to feel anger and I'm going to fold that up real pretty and I'm going to put it in this drawer 
and I'm going to stick it away there. I'm not going to feel that. I'm just going to turn it off. I'm just going to shove it away. I'm going to shove it down. Or maybe I'm going to give it to God. Here you go, God. You can take this. And every time it pops in my head, I'm going to throw it away again. I'm going to give it to him again. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to deny it. I'm not going to allow this to take over. What it looks like to feel our feelings is to sit and say, okay, my heart's pounding and I feel angry. Why do I feel angry? I'm angry because of this. What am I angry about? Why does that make me angry? This is making me angry because of this and this and this. Like the other week we went through a, a, a podcast where we kind of asked each other those questions, the five whys. That's what it looks like to feel our feelings, to not just be so sad that the tears spill out for 30 seconds and then we quick dry it up and go focus on something else. But let those tears spill out for those 30 seconds and then sit there and interrogate myself as to why those tears needed to come out. And what do those tears mean? And what am I going to do with those tears? What am I going to do about this? What is my next step? Um, to actually feel it and pay attention to it and focus on it instead of allowing it to start and then going and finding something else to do. One of the ways I've, I started out, and I still do it, but practicing feeling my feelings is I will when I by going outside so I'll go outside and when I walk outside if I am just let's say I'm going out to just be outside like I'm taking the dog out so I'm going to be out for 15 minutes or I might not do it if I'm running to the car and I'm intention I'm heading somewhere right but if I'm just going to step outside what, so this hap came about the other day and I was thinking about it. So my physical therapist was asking me, well, don't you take your phone? Don't, you should have your phone to track how many steps because they asked me how far I could walk. And I was like, well, I don't know. He's like, well, you don't have a take your phone? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, do you have, don't you, do you have a watch? And I'm like, no. I said, when I take, go out and I take the dog out, I intentionally leave my phone behind because I'm going out to walk the dog, right? So one of the things that I personally like to do is when I get outside and I'm walking the dog is I like to shut my eyes like I'm standing there letting the dog do his business and I'll shut my eyes and I listen and I hear the noises and I will feel the breeze and I will note off like I kind of like will be in my head I'll be like I feel the breeze it's cool oh I hear the birds oh I hear this one bird it's chirping it's led me to nests. I do that. <laughs> I do that. It's so awesome to notice. I think that's more than feeling your feelings. I think that's helping create awareness. It is. Keep me in the present moment. It is. And because I think because I, I practice that every day outside to, to notice things, I notice, intentionally notice things. So when I'm inside or when I'm feeling something, I'm feeling sad, right? I'm, I'm present and so I actually notice it. Yes. So, and to help with that, one of the things that I, I have started doing in the last six months is as I step into a room, even inside, outside, I step over a transition into another area. I pause for just a minute and I feel the changes from the previous area to the new area so oh it's warmer in here oh it's brighter in here oh there's a little bit more tension in here 
oh, the air is heavier in here, or oh, it smells really good in here, or right, whatever it is, I try to notice five differences in each transition, right? So if I'm at work and I go from the office to the warehouse, I pause for just maybe 30 seconds, maybe 15 seconds, and attempt to notice five differences from one room to the next. Do you do it every time? Not always. Not I, Whenever I think of it, I, I'm doing it more and more. Like I said, it's only started in the last six months. Mm-hmm. And at first, I would forget about it all the time. So <laughs> I would only do it like maybe once a day or once every two or three days. But now that I've been focused on it over the last six months, I am, I would say probably eight to 12 times a day that I step through those transitions, I'm probably doing it. I, I Probably 80% of the time. Yeah. And I would say you're probably not even doing it the full 30 seconds. I bet because I, I know for me, things happen so yeah, I don't think I don't think it to. takes. Yeah. 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 And I love that you said, because like, even if it's just, you said, like, I noticed five things. And so immediately I thought about the senses. Yes. Right? Yep. Right. I see something. I hear something. I taste something. I smell something. And I feel something. Right? And feeling that. Right, whatever. Like feel the hot versus the cold. Exactly. Or even like, oh, the floor was rough there, but when I stepped in, it feels smooth. Right. Just something. It can be anything. It could be like even um, the other day it was, I, I stepped into a room and I was like, what is going on? That air feels really heavy. And it just felt like the air was really thick in the room. There wasn't anybody else in the room. There was nothing going on. But I happened to notice the heaviness of the air. And that was the first time. Interesting. Yeah. And I think we do this. I I think here's the thing. I'm going to give everybody a lot of credit here. I think everybody does this. The difference is you are intentionally thinking about it. Right, I'm aware of it. Exactly. And for me, that has helped me. I've noticed a great deal over the last six months that has helped me to be more present in the moment. Like I'm actually thinking about what I'm doing right now, where I am right now, what's happening right now. Instead of being in my head thinking about the list of things I have to do tomorrow, I'm here now. There was, so there was a conversation I had um, in the um, meeting, and you were not in the meeting Friday or Thursday night, so um, you do not know any, like, you would have no idea who I'm talking right. about. Right. So. My daughter had a band concert. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, I'm like, I'm listening to it on, uh, you know, because you put it on Facebook and I listen to it, and I'm like, damn, from a year ago to, uh, 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 it was very, uh amazing their band teacher is outstanding growth it was crazy it was Um, huge (laughs) but um one of the things was and it was this individual um is going through something and it was a newcomer just so it's nobody like you would it's not anybody we know um and he the person's going was going through something and he came on he vent the person vented the person vented and they there was a lot of blame 
and resentment towards the another person and so I asked the person a couple of questions because um, they wanted to talk after fellow during fellowship and I asked the person what are you doing when the other person is talking and I said are you because the person's complaint was that the person this this person did not listen and hear what they were saying and I said so what are you doing when this person is talking well I'm trying to pro I'm trying to process but they talk the person talks you know right the person talks too fast and I can't this and um so they're I, not listening and so I said to this person okay so what are you when you're when the person's talking are you thinking I'm not getting I don't understand you're talking too fast I'm not trying to I said, if you're thinking all of those things, then you're not listening. When, so what this person is saying to you, that you are not hearing me and you are not listening, they are right. Because you're so focused on either what you're going to say next or here we go again. Now they're, they're right. I hear this all. I said, that is you blocking off hearing what the other person's saying because you're not intentional you're not in the moment you're not open to hearing you have shut yourself off so quickly that it's like a wall and everything's going to bounce back off so you're not taking anything in and then one of the other things I asked them was because the, the comment was the person the other person always wants to bring up the past I always want to bring up the past I did something and they want to throw it in my face and I was like, I was like, well, what it, do you do that? Well, no, I never do that. Are you sure? Nope, nope, never do that. I was like, okay. So when the person is talking, are you thinking, here we go again. Every time they, this, that we have a fight, this, they bring this up. I said, isn't that living in the past? And they were like, oh, right, didn't solve any problems, didn't solve, you know, greater, but it was something to be able to think differently about and be able to reflect on, right? Because what we do so often, I know I do so often, or I used to do so often, right, was that I would shut myself down. And I wasn't living in the moment. I wasn't intentional. I was, I was this wall and everything I had, like literally I had walls around me and everything that was coming at me was bouncing back off. So nothing ever got to me. So I never could experience anything. I could never do anything differently. I couldn't be better. I couldn't learn. I couldn't, right? Because nothing was getting past these, these walls that I had put up. And maybe, but I was so defensive yes. about keeping myself safe and about keeping other people at a distance. And I was so worried about protecting myself and making myself right and doing what I should be that I was unable to see what was like, like I couldn't, 
I couldn't see what somebody was trying to give to me. I could not take in what they were trying to say because I was so worried about defending myself. Right. Which also meant I couldn't feel the breeze coming through. I couldn't see the light being brighter when I walked into a room because right. my walls were, were so high and so thick and and then well let's say something did get through the crack right maybe I had a little crack in my wall and something slipped well but then the problem was just that the wall wasn't strong enough and something got through (laughs) right so then what did I do oh let me make the wall even thicker right let me let me me repair that that hole exactly but in but now I I don't have walls. I have I have these beautiful things called boundaries. Now I'm so accepting of myself that I don't have to protect myself no. because I know I'm okay no matter what. That's the second or the other part. That's another part of taking care of ourselves emotionally that I wanted to make sure I mentioned that we haven't really talked a whole lot about yet, and that is being so accepting of ourselves. And being so in love with ourselves and so happy with ourselves and okay with ourselves that even if we are screwing up, I don't need to protect myself because I love myself and I'm okay with it. I don't need to be defensive of myself because I didn't do anything wrong. I just made a mistake and it's okay. I I don't know. I just think it's so important to just be accepting of whatever we do everything and anything and not beat ourselves up the more we beat ourselves up the more guilt and shame that we use on ourselves the less the like the more defensive we have to be and if we're being defensive then we are not ever taking anything in so what happens if we do make a mistake that's okay so I oh okay I made a mistake it's okay yeah or should there be maybe a little awareness around that mistake okay well I mean like I think it's like I think living life is like learning a new sport if I need to learn how to skateboard and I have never skateboarded before I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to crash. I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. I may hurt somebody else. Hell, I might break my skateboard. But am I going to be mad at myself for it? Or am I going to be like, I'm just learning. Let me try again. But, okay. But do you, let's say you're using your analogy of your skateboarding and you're, you're, you're trying to do a trick. So you do the trick. It doesn't work. Do you just immediately do the trick again? No, you have to evaluate where did I go wrong and and what was I doing wrong? What do I need to do differently in order not to crash in the same way? Right, so you make a mistake. You don't beat yourself up. You reflect on the mistake. You acknowledge and become aware of how you could have handled it differently, done it differently. And then the next time, that you make the same mistake. You do the same process over and over. And then maybe one of those times, or a bunch of those times, hey, I did it different. Yay me. Right. Like, I mean, use the same skateboard analogy. 
you try a new trick, you crash, you evaluate what you did wrong, you heal from the pain, and you get out there and you do it again. Like, I'm not just going to wait for some, like, if we're talking about skateboarding, I'm not just going to go skateboarding down the street and wait for some jump to appear and be like, okay, maybe I'll try this. I'm going to go out there and intentionally get my skateboard and go to the jump and try it again. And I'm going to crash and I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to evaluate it. And then I'm going to intentionally try again. And I'm going to do that over and over and over until I no longer crash. It's the exact same thing, right? If I screw up in life and I make a mistake, I'm not just going to avoid that situation until it rears its head again and then hope I don't make the mistake. I'm going to intentionally go to that situation and try again. And if I fail, I'll wait until I recover enough and then I'll try again. And if I fail, I'll wait until I heal enough and I'll try again. I'm not just going to wait for the situation to present itself in order to try again. So what I hear you saying is try, try again. Just keep trying, keep going, keep moving, keep doing learn from you learn from every whether bad or good negative positive right mistakes or spot on learn from it because i think you have to learn from the good and the bad and absolutely keep living keep trying and keep doing that's it just keep trying and keep doing over and over i make mistakes all the time right recovery six years in almost six years in I do not have this shit on lock this shit is hard and I'm keep I make mistakes and I I but I get what it gives me is I I keep it gives me an opportunity to learn every single time and that's the approach I take with it I'm I do I get to learn the more I keep doing the more I keep coming the more mistakes or things I do right I get opportunities to learn and grow and then I in turn get to share my experience strength and hope with someone else it's a way of living it's a a whole new way of life well Ashley thank you for today it was a good one yet another great recording thank you so all right um it's after the Christmas after the holidays for everybody else for us it's week before so happy holidays absolutely i hope everyone had an amazing holiday and i hope everyone has a wonderful new year all right have a great week you too bye bye we would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery visit the work it website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes And remember, work it because you are worth it.